Greetings from the galaxy. Hi guys, and today we are warping into another episode, which is kind of um, ironic, as we're going to be talking about warp speed. Um, as ever, I'm Jamie. And I'm Simon. Yep. Sorry, yeah. I think you were going to introduce me already <laughs> last time. But yeah, I that's fine. As ever. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to do different introductions and not to stick with the same old standard thing, because otherwise it just gets a bit samey after a while. Um, so yeah, today guys, we're going to be talking all about Warp Speed, which is uh, an episode I know, Sam, you've been especially keen to do for quite a long time, haven't you? It's yeah, kind of because I vaguely know something about it, <laughs> don't I? <coughs> well, the thing about this episode is, initially I was kind of like, I don't know anything, because it's... What you've got to understand is... found out is highly convoluted, it's <laughs> very confusing. Mm. One paragraph is one thing, one paragraph is another thing. It con contradicts itself quite often. Mm -hmm. And unlike our gold shirts episode where there was um, no research, nothing, well, there's abundance of research. So we were, I was quite excited about this. It's like, okay, let's try and teach Jamie a little bit about something that I like. I love starships, warp drive. I like that. And as Yes, that episode's gone out, hasn't it? Yeah. That episode, episode has now gone out. Um, which I'm referring to the trivia episode we did five years ago. Yeah, January 2014. Um, it's a topic I've already gone through and already explained yeah. away once before. So it's like, okay, on to round two. Let's try and explain it again and see if I can do as much success as around. And depending on our definitions of things, we might shove that in there. We, we might not. I'm, we, I don't think we need sure. to these days. Um, and also, we're not sure quite sure that this may or may not be a two-part episode again. We'll see how things go, see where we end up, and we'll we'll decide in the end. Um, but, you know, I, I must admit, you know, me and Simon actually had a bit of a chat about this before we started. And I actually think I've got a better, at least a basic grasp and understanding of warp drive. Yeah, because there's a way you can easily ground it to yeah. the everyday person that you can sit there going, oh, I know that, I use those, I know what you're on about now, mm. guys, rather than going, what, that's a spacey, technobabbly thing. Yeah, yeah. Cause that was... I have no idea what you're on about, whereas, well, no, no, if I... Because that's the if thing. A, this thing, and go, if I do it in these terms, oh, I know those, I know those things, I know how those work carry on well the other interesting thing about these notes is obviously we've when we've gone through them we've made uh, notations we've done what we usually dissect yeah. them to death yeah but it's not just about actually the topic it's actually how we think that how we think memory alpha has actually done the notes and there and as Simon it's said pretty good actually yeah some pretty of it damn good there's an awful lot of mm. crap you got to sift through yeah. but that's usual there's an awful lot of crap we sift through mm. on regular episodes that you don't hear about but there was actually a couple of definitions that we found and explanations oh, which God, were really good yeah, yeah that really, were just really good succinct straight to the point and just and weren't too wordy and I just thought I get this I understand what it's actually talking about um, we've also found with this as well though we'll touch upon it briefly but we won't go into it there's a lot of mathematical calculations with how yeah we'll, we're going near nowhere near that yeah nah. we'll might touch I think you said briefly upon it maybe in some of the notes yeah but I mean for a start I mean me and Simon if you're aware of it you know of it if you don't yeah, yeah. you can look it up but yeah. oh my god the figures are nuts yeah. but I mean, that's I'm... why you're dealing with faster than light technology so you're going to have big sums yeah as explained to me by my father 
And the other thing as well is, I mean, I've never been particularly good at maths, particularly advanced maths such as this, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. Uh, same here, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, because same you know, here, I d- you look, look at it and you go, oh. okay, right, onwards and upwards, next thing. And oh, turn, yeah, my brain, t- trying to dissect it and understand it, my brain will just turn to a sponge. Um, so, so, yeah, we'll touch on those things, but I don't think we're really no. going to go in depth and pulling things apart. No. Because we're in no position at all to do that. No. We just. <laughs> we understand the answers, we don't understand the calculations behind those yeah, maths. To how to get there, how... yeah. Yeah, we, we understand the kind of. the solu- We understand the, the answer, but not the solution to get to the answer. I think that's probably the right way to say it. Um, because you're dealing with fundamentally. I'd, I'd actually argue you're you're dealing with what fundamentally three sums yeah fundamentally mm. although you could still argue that's two mm. and by that I mean and we'll get into this a bit later original Cochrane units and the modified Cochrane, Cochrane units. units and what we what I've colloquially called advanced Cochrane units which are um, beyond which are all good things and onwards and yeah and, oh, yeah all that alternate realities uh, Star Trek yeah. Online yeah yeah. Um, so, which but, we're going to just call yeah. advanced Cochrane units yeah. for sheer easiness because there's no yeah. definition for them yeah. so we've just gone so this yeah. let's make up our own and one. when we mention about the units we're not going to say MCU or OCU we're actually going to say the full we're going to have to yeah because I think as I jokingly said before we got going like yeah, we can't really say MCU because then you also think of Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is something <laughs> completely different. Yeah, and I don't think it's fair if you're sitting there going, "What does that stand for again?" Is it? Yeah. Is that, that so that when we thing? refer to it throughout the episode, which we will, we'll actually say the full definition of it. We'll actually yeah, say the full I word think, of yeah, it. Yeah, because I think otherwise we'll get confused as well, probably. Um, so probably obviously, a good place to start. It will just be a, a basic definition that yeah. we found. Yeah, uh, that's what we agreed on yeah did you want me to yeah go it? for it Jamie okay right because um, I bet you I'm going to get given the walk core definition I think, <laughs> aren't I? Probably. I think I've, I've got a better grasp of it um, I think I think that's fair that, things I have already done it once over we might as well stick to the strengths yeah so warp drive was a technology that allowed space travel at faster than light speeds it worked by generating warp fields to form a subspace bubble that enveloped the starship enveloped Jamie. enveloped the starship oh thank you distorting the local space-time <laughs> continuum and moving the starship at velocities that could greatly exceed the speed of light. These velocities were referred to, were referred to as warp factors. By the 24th century, warp was the primary means of interstellar transport, but scientists from various cultures were pursuing various alternative propulsion methods that were hypothetically faster or more efficient. Yeah, we might want to point out that we have omitted a bit from there because we think it's like, well, duh. Yeah, yeah. And that is pretty much saying... Without it, um, internet exploration, commerce, and warfare um, possible. And you sit there going, yeah. Yeah, it's, the, it's kind of. <laughs> the chicken egg. Yeah. You know, that whole thing. Yeah. So we kind of omitted that out of it because it's just like. But you see, see, I can read that and I can actually go, I actually. It's, again, it's not too wordy. And so you learnt something. I think it wasn't essentially from that, but you you learnt the tidbit about time. Um, oh, yeah. It was in one time, of the. Time. Um, it was time difference. It was time one, dilation. That's yeah, the term. That's it was in one of the other notes where, um, basically, when you've got a starship that's travelling at warp speed, the time within the actual 
bubble that's formed is different to the actual rest of space outside of that bubble. So time is effectively moving at a different speed. Like it's like I think it's like a certain amount of hours or whatever behind or in front, depending on the actual warp speed or something. Uh, which I thought was just really quite interesting. It's not something that I'd ever actually. It's real science. Yeah, no, no. They did an experiment where they had brothers, one on ISS and one on Earth. Hmm. And I think it, they worked out that the guy in space aged slower than the guy on Earth. Well, that's quite interesting because it actually that kind of reminds me of Interstellar, the same kind of thing, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that, that yeah. Interstellar's based on real science, hmm. real theory. So, so, yeah, that kind of works out. Hmm. So that's just quite interesting because I don't think the series ever really... I really acknowledge that much I mean I'm not off the top of my head it's never sound that really no but how the hell do you shove that in a conversation exactly subtly? exactly and what so. does what does that add to a story just nothing really. really just like doesn't really no well then you know no not really I mean I suppose the, the concept of ageing quicker has been explored in Star Trek in a couple of episodes um, original and uh, animated but in terms of actually that whole thing about the warp but the warp bubble around the ship and outside of it yeah I said it was just really quite interesting but yeah the definition I think I think that's just it just sums up it sums it up really well and then of course um, yeah sorry yeah and then of course what and then of course you come <laughs> up with a really again Simon found this definition something that just explains how warp speed actually works like how the, the process of actually making a starship go to warp which again, a really good definition that you found. Because one of the issues I had with some of them, I tell you what we'll do. Because I think we oh, do. Are we still desperate to use the old one? Do you want to use it or not? What's that? The, the old, old clip from trivia. I could do. What we could do is we could do this one, and then that could be the layman's terms. Hmm. Okay. That's kind of the hmm. the put in the most simplest form I can possibly come up. Because this is still technically bad. We'll shove together like no end. It's. It's one of the simplest ones I I know of, but it's still because hmm. I think you you kind of got a vague grasp of it. Hmm. Um, so we'll be doing that. Yeah. So this is from if you're interested, because I'm sure people out there are. This is the Walk Core page, and it's the point as I said to Jamie is the paragraph where it says as a safety precaution it's the paragraph after that one antimatter containment is achieved through the use of magnetic fields which guide and direct antimatter through that antimatter integrator integrator yeah say integrator that's why I left that yellow <laughs> um, direct the antimatter um, to the injector coils um, which precisely compresses and streams the antimatter into form which enters the intermix chamber. The deuterium stored in the ship is funneled in, in a stream from an opposite deuterium injector. The resulting energy uh, plasma molecules enter the lattice matrix of the crystallized um, dilithium chamber, reacting with it, releasing a tuned energy stream in the form of electroplasma. The electroplasma is carried by magnetic plasma conduits through the power transfer system. The most energised stream created is the uh, warp plasma which exits in twin power transfer conduits connected to warp nacelles. So, 
it's an awful, it's quite that's quite a condensed one because hmm. you can there's an awful lot more convoluted well, what definitions I, out there. Well, what I found with some of the research and some of the, one of the other sections, it was explaining all these. It was explaining all these elements, but it wasn't quite structured quite right. It wasn't putting it to, for me at least. It wasn't putting it together in quite the right way. It was like it's like having separate components. It's like you're trying to create something. You've got all these components, but you quite don't know quite how to put them together. But this this part is said that Simon's just read out explains. It's beautiful. I can understand that. Yes, it's, it's there's it. still an awful lot you have to edit out of that mm. to get that definition yeah. because there's an awful lot of yellow that I've got yeah, highlighted. Yeah, I was going to say there were some things, but again... It's... Which I found distracted from what they were trying to, to say. say yeah. But pretty much you've got antimatter and matter one and different sides. You put them together interaction, then you get a huge burst of energy. Then that goes through the crystal turns into electroplasma um, go through the power systems and then that creates power and ninjas and, and then that's how you go to, go go to, to war, war, war I think hmm. but I think we'll still put that clip in from trivia just for yeah so I'll just put that in now accessing library computer data well the question I've got for you is can you explain how like warp drive works and sort of in relation to why the voyage of warp themselves go up when it actually goes into warp. <laughs> that made it easy for him then, did you? <laughs> it's not life, the universe, everything. 42, isn't it? <laughs> right, okay. It's going to take a bit of time to work out, but I'm going to try and put it in primary school terms the best I can. Okay? Yeah. We are humbly Bill? grateful. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay, imagine you've got a car. Right. And you've got... What colour? It doesn't matter about the How many colour. Doors? What colour do you want it to be, Phil? Red. What, mate? It can be red. It could be a Ford. It can be Ford. Oh, okay, cool. Does it have, does so it have it's a red Ford. Does it have a sat It's red. And what engine has it got? It's, yeah, this is the bit I'm going to okay, get right. onto. Right. This engine has got two bits to it. It's sort of a hybrid, but it's a bit of a new, unique one. It's almost like a, a petrol and electric car. Yeah, it's a bit different though. Okay. This <laughs> Let me explain it, please. Let finish. Otherwise, we'll lose track so of everything and have to go back again. Red car. That's a hybrid. We're sat now. Right. We're sat now, okay. of course, yes. Yeah, a big, massive computer on the front. And instead of having an electric one and a whatever fuel it is, we're going to have a petrol one. So imagine petrol is deuterium, so that's matter. Right. Okay, yeah. and imagine you got the other part of it is um, diesel. It's mm -hmm. a part diesel, part petrol engine. Right. And the diesel is the antimatter. Right. right. Yeah. You combine the two, and in the middle of the engine, there's this. There's oh, I don't know what, what you call it. Where does all the sparks happen through? I can't remember. What Within the end, I know what you mean. Yeah. And that causes a lot of. That, you know, it causes, that causes the combustion, causes the explosion, yeah. causes a reaction. In there, there's this magic crystal, which is obviously a dilithium crystal. Mm -hmm. Those two hit together, and that causes a massive amount of energy. So you're talking the, a, a combination of the diesel, petrol, and the dilithium fusing together. All combined together, and that energy is, uh, what is it? What's concentrated. That? Concentrated, and it's. 
concentrated and is condensed purified that's it purified, purified yeah so that it goes to the in, it goes to the engines which in car terms it goes to the axles mm-hmm. whereas in, in a starship it gets uh, transformed into warp plasma which goes down warp plasma conduits up to the warp nacelles which go to the warp coils which creates a big massive field around the ship which causes the space in front to distort distort <laughs> or ripple distort making it easier to travel forward mm-hmm. and to go into warp right. making them go faster than the speed of light the speed of light voyages warp themselves go up so that um, I'm going to have a look at my book so it's viable the other ships Enterprise, D&E and XO1 so they the, just it stops don't do that galactic subspace degradation with the dynamic so that uh, I can't find it now <laughs> no I can't find it you've lost your way well this Voyager does have a natural why it goes up the it water cells go up it has got an excuse for it yes it should be easier on it. It does have a reason why it goes up in warp. I hope they don't annoy you, Phil, when you get to watching Voyager. Hmm. Uh, it wouldn't annoy me. Good. Good. One brownie point. Uh, One brownie point for you, Phil. Hmm. You're still looking. Yeah. Oh, that's it. The variable ah. geometry outboard in the sails create the most efficient warp bubble by adjusting position and sail support pylons up or down. So that's so why they put it up. It stops galactic subspace degradation, which basically means in excuse, basically. global warming hmm. in galactic terms, terms is what I've come up with. Makes does that sense. explain it? Yeah. I know it took a bit of doing. No, they're trying to be, they're they're trying it, so you're talking about a, a green well. starship. Yeah. So does that explain it? Do you actually understand what warp drive yep. is now? Because yeah. I think that's the way I learned it, and it's, it's trying to explain how you to do it in the most simplistic way you can mm. with them going I understand that now yeah. I actually understand that because yeah. in fact it's a hybrid yeah. mm. so, so, so to, su- to sum up to sum a, up, a, warp, a warp drive is, is a mixture of a petrol and a diesel engine where a load of stuff happens and it goes up tubes and forwards fires forward make, making something smaller at the front so it goes faster yeah. done there you go easy so I think for the first time ever you, you two actually understood a bit of technical I've been on about which is which I think is too much of but there you go <laughs> but, but I'm glad I got that one covered so that's the one I've been worrying about for the last few days is going don't know to answer this one I can answer it so there you go it's a kind of more simplistic form of describing it and kind of putting in another grounded term that I could yeah. think of hmm. But there's a more over, overarching grounded system that you can use, which really explains the whole warp factors and original Cochrane units and modified Cochrane units, which I think is something else we need to go into because I think it's great for saying those two terms, but we need to actually explain, explain what yeah. the hell they are. Although that's the point where we haven't actually thought through yet of <laughs> where to find those. <laughs> So I'll too busy trying to work out those two bits that's alright well the other thing as well I think what's great is also things like said we talked a bit about deuterium and obviously it wasn't just to help power the warp engines they actually were actually used 
to actually power other parts of the ship as well. So it actually served a vital, it served a vital function. It wasn't just specifically the warp engine as well, wasn't it? Um, yeah. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's just that's a problem. So many pages. That's the thing. Two little resets and you struggle to know what to talk about. Quite a lot of research. <laughs> You're trying to sift through, trying to find exactly what you need to uh, what you need to find. Hmm. But you know. Thank you. Sorry, <laughs> my notes just fell on the floor. So I'm going to say better organised his notes than me. So I'm not ashamed to admit. <laughs> so, should we basically just say, as a basis, original Cochrane units are what they sound. So, original Cochrane units are um, warp factors associated with. Um, and it's a bit loose because it's not confirmed entirely, but subjective you can explain it away you're talking enterprise you're talking discovery you're talking original series yeah, yeah. up to 2312 2312 which i think would include the films as well i believe yeah yeah the original series films yeah. beyond the films original series films you then go into the modified Cochrane units yeah, so which includes next gen voyager dxs9 uh all the next gen films now this is where it gets a bit convoluted because I want to grace something else because this is where it gets really interesting. Where do you shove the Kelvin timeline? Both? <sighs> One? Yeah, that is... Because from that you have a case where a modified Cochrane unit ship, or at least two ships, are going back to time where they're still in original Cochrane unit eras. I'd say both then. If it was me, I'd Which say is both. really confusing, but yeah. then they will learn from those ships, like the Narada, to oh. improve their ships. So then, does that mean why you get the bigger ships, bigger this and bigger that? So, do you then still put the same? Because it's never really explained. Are they still in the original Cochrane, or are they still in, or are they now in modified? Based on the technology they've learned off the Narada. I say probably both. If only, if only just on a on a basic level. But if you've got keys to the jellyfish that's got <laughs> warp, you know, twenty fourth century warp drive that can go up to I'd imagine nine point nine seven five at least, hmm. and you're on original Cochrane unit starships, are you really gonna go? Oh no, we'll just We'll keep on our. Well, you you were probably seven. Well, if you've got access to uh, original Cochrane unit ships. Well, that's the thing. If you've if you think in basic terms, I mean, like we were talking about this earlier, like with in terms of like again, it's kind of off topic, kind of isn't it? But we're talking about warp scales and how they've changed over the centuries as as um, with as humanity or or have got new, has got new technology. The the understanding of the warp scale has differed. So if you're going to be kind of updating the warp scale, then I think you've got to really think in terms of updated, updated Cochrane news. You kind of, you, in a way, you kind of got, you're gonna, you're gonna, you got to think modified Cochrane units because I said they've got that access to that new technology, and they're not going to think. Thing is, you've got something that's new that's just come out. You're not going to think the same way. You're going to think. Am I making sense? 
Kinda. Yeah, you're gonna be you're gonna be thinking something different. So you're not gonna be thinking in the old way of oh yeah, things are now like this, but now they're like this. I don't know. It's... But that means that all the films after '09, at least after the Kelden incident, are gonna be M MCU, so modified Cochrane units. Mm. So they probably would be modified Cochrane units then. Probably would be then. That's but. You know, I mean, it makes a lot of sense if you think about it from the perspective of, you know, new technology that's just come out. Well, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're not gonna calculate it the same way, are you? It's, it's something different. You, you can't think, you not can't think of travelling in the same units. I mean, you can, but it, it you know, the, the calculations are not gonna really work, are they? Am I making sense? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just checking. Uh, so I suppose I mean it's it's difficult, but I know most people will just say, oh, you know, <laughs> Kelvin timeline, revisionist history, whatever you know. So you know, make of it what you will. I suppose is probably the best way to kind of just say it. But <clears throat> one of the things I thought was again, Simon explained this to me really good was actually how to kind of again thinking how to think of kind of the modified and the. Um, Original Jamie. Yeah, Cochrane units. How to kind of differentiate between the two in terms of layman terms? Because you said to me, well, think of the original Cochrane units as the way how fast it kind of travels. It's kind of like well, you, you have to think of aeronautics. You have to think yeah. of planes. Yeah. So you know, you got to think early days of flight. You're talking Wright brothers in their kind of very basic planes. So mm. they're trying to get to that. Oh, we want to try and get spit 100 miles an hour. We want to get to 200 miles an hour. Mm. So that's going to be their goal, and that's going to be very difficult to get to. Move forward a few, you know, a few uh, decades, mm. and that mm. definition just completely goes out the window because that that's been see been and gone. We no problems there. Mm. So the by the time we get to <laughs> Still fiddling, it's fine. Sorry, I'm fiddling with Simon's mouse. The monitor's going to sleep on his computer. I don't know why I do that. <laughs> Once you get to, say, the Second World War, you know, that technology is old hat. Yeah. And you don't even blink an eye of kind of going, you know, oh, we're going 400 miles an hour. And whereas the Wright brothers would be going, yeah. wow, blimey, that's that's incredible. And that the Wright brothers' machine is pretty much the Phoenix, isn't it? Pretty hmm. much. And then by the time we kind of go up, you know, you get to, you know, we're English and we're going to say Spitfire or the Hurricane, aren't we? Hmm. We're going to kind of go 400 miles an hour. And that's kind of akin to, say, you're talking like the original Connie or something. Hmm. And then the problem with that is trying to break the sound barrier with a preloplane and they just couldn't do yeah. it yeah so you get the invention of the jets coming through mm. and then you get and then the possibilities grow again so that scale then diminishes into yeah. nothing so then you get new planes so you get the meteors you get this and you get the new yeah. class jets and then they grow and you get the jet after jet and then the boundary gets moved even mm. more so that then moves into the modified Cochrane unit so you get Starfleet gets advanced so they kind of go mm. okay then we're going to build actually I'm not going to actually I was going to say one class and go nope 
let's go back to that one. I think you probably know what I mean. We're going to build, you know, Connie refit. We're going to Constitution refit. You know, that's that's going to, uh, you know, they were able to go what, 9.2. So 9.2 in the original Cochrane unit. And then you go to the Galaxy class. And then you go to Sovereign. And then you go to the Encrepted class. So that's the point where you go to 9.975. And then I think there's a few that went a tad bit faster, but you the pair's breath and I think you're talking I think I think Voyager went up to was it warp nine point nine seven five, I think yeah, it was. I know, I've just, I know, yeah. I keep saying it. Yeah. <laughs> um but I think there's a few ships that went a tad bit first faster. I think that might have been Prometheus and things like that. Mm. I think they went slightly faster, mm. but Actually, I think that might be Naventines. Things like that mm. went a tad bit faster. But you know, the way you kind of explained is it original and modified Cochrane was original's kind of like propellers, and then like uh, modified is kind of like jets. But you know, the whole as I said, the whole warp scale we we're talk- just talking about. And I mentioned earlier is say you, I don't know say you're going like um, warp five um, of original Cochrane units. Well, that's not going to be the same on. A modified Cochrane like unit two. scale. That's going to be two. Yeah. So the scale is this, due to the new technologies and the warp barriers being broken. The, the warp scale is going to be redefined and changed constantly. And then you've also got the unnamed one, which we've kind of called that advanced Cochrane unit, yeah. which is kind of the far future, which you can still explain with all aeronautics. Yeah. And the ship that I was going to mention, and then went actually, that's probably not. That's not meant to go here. I was thinking of the Excelsior and Transwarp Drive because that was an utter failure. Mm-hmm. And there's a there's a plane that we did have that did that same job. That was an utter failure. Everyone loved it, but it ultimately failed. And that was trying to buy, and that was supersonic flight, and mm. that's obviously Concorde. Yeah. And that's how you that and that would be under um, advanced Cochrane units. So that mm. would be the far far future because. It appears as though technology is catching up, and it may be that supersonic flight is coming back in our grasps again mm. in the next five, ten years. Hopefully, maybe mm. maybe a bit, maybe a bit later. Mm. But in terms of kind of Star Trek, we I think we said we talked about like Star Trek Online, didn't we? Kind of like I said, transwarp drive and stuff like that, and you know, and again, it's again it's Star Trek doing what Star Trek does best: paralleling, parallel the problem, paralleling real life, yeah, pa- paralleling. Par- Ooh, that's a horrible word. <laughs> uh, Star Trek paralleling, paralleling in parallel in real life. Star Trek I- imitating real life is that the right word? Yes. Imitating, yeah, yes. real life. Because it's always yeah. done. Yeah, but there's a problem with the advanced Cochrane units because with that, there's no real definition of it. And even with that, it's no. a bit convoluted. With that, because no. if you look through all our notes, they quite quickly. With no, oh, damn, is that thing? They quickly sit there and go, yeah, it doesn't exist yet. No one's actually quite come up with a definition. Yeah, for I was going to say there is actually no scales or any any calculations for it. So, because literally what we found, we've kind of when they talked about it, literally just a brief paragraph mentioning it, talking about it said STO. And well, it gets a bit confusing because in the October nineteen ninety five issue of. O-M-N-I Science Advisor can you help me with his name uh, I know who he is but I can't say his name uh, uh, Andre Bormanis let's oh. go over that yeah apologise if that's the idea wrong. of warp factors beyond warp uh, beyond 10 in the alternate future was a recalibration of the warp scale 
as ships of that era have gotten faster, he suggested the possibility that Warp 15 was set to be the ultimate speed limit, and Warp 13 in that scale would have been the equivalent of Warp 9.95 in the previous scale. So that's where you get the problem of, oh yes, well this is advanced, but it's yeah. no faster than Warp 10. One, so. one of the things I did actually find, I think it was when they were talking about um, like some of the calculations of original Cochrane units, they said, well, I, can't, I think, can't remember the specific example, but they were talking about that it doesn't actually fit with any of the warp scales. It doesn't actually fit with any of them, which I was just like, oh my God. You try to explain something, try to, to, to relate it to warp speed, yet, you know, it doesn't actually work with any of the any of the, any of the warp scales or the calculations that have been done that has created them. And I just thought, oh my God. Well, to be fair, even yeah. the modified Cochrane system didn't actually help matters either, because that completely screwed up. Yeah. It made... They had to make it work for the screen. Yeah. So the yeah. sums are a little bit hooky, yeah. a little the, bit yeah. funny. Yeah, so it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, as I said, it, throws, it just throws you. It's like, We've got these. We've got this calculation, but it doesn't fit any of the warp scales at all. So that's just like, oh my god. Well, the other thing as well I found quite interesting was that um, Gene Roddenberry for the Next Generation, he actually deliberately upped the warp. I think it was the warp speed. Not obviously, obviously practical purposes. You know, there would be advancements that would be made, so it makes sense. But he also did it to add an element of danger to the show as well. I don't know if that's thank you. Yeah, I'm familiar with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 24th century warp theory, warp 10 had been redesignated to correspond with infinite diversity. Vessels travelling at warp 10 occupied all points in the universe simultaneously. Unfortunately, that's where we get a certain episode from, which I love the fact they completely berate in our notes, which I found hilarious. <laughs> warp 10 was also known as transwarp threshold. Um, according to the Starship spotter book which is one that I used previously for notes on our uh, or actually I'll really use it again later in the year um, profile for the Enterprise hmm. the redesignation of the warp 10 as infinite speed occurred in 2312 the warp factor spec specifications prior were rated by Starfleet using the original Cochrane unit scale abbreviated as OCU Warp factors after use a modified Cochrane unit recreated as MCU, which is something I've already said, but never mind. It's alright. Um, what were you going to come up with? Well, it's just you know, I mean, some of these, um, I mean, you know. Like Although to be fair, with the discrepancies, there were some examples of why that happened. Um, states the actual speed values of the warp factor are dependent upon interstellar conditions for example gas density electric yeah. and magnetic field I was going to say in different you know, regions of space and fluctuations of subspace domain also quantum drag forces emotive power oscillation cause energy penalties a ship using warp drive because that's the thing you, you, you've got to think of obviously when you're making calculations you can't you're not just got to think of the objects like the starship you've got to think about factors outside so as it travelling through space, the density, obviously, if, particularly if you're going through like a nebula or something like that, it's going to affect. It's going to affect it. So, and in these notes, it did actually suggest um, how far something was, which I quite liked as well. In the vicinity of mass objects, it is high, so high that 
disproportionately. Uh, oh, Jamie, I can't say that word. Uh, disproportionately. Thank you. High speeds are created when approaching them, and they tend to result in a slingshot effect. Between the galaxies, there is only an empty void, so the speed following only the basic formula. A basic cubic formula. I can't talk today. Within the interstellar medium of Federation space, the average value for the Cochrane's factor has been calculated to be 1292.7238. This finally explains, for example, the ballpark, the fast relative speed equivalent for the warp factor, 8.4 from uh, that which survives from the original series. And this gets even more complicated, which is eight um, 8.4 to the power of 3 times uh, the previous value, so 1292.7238, which equivalates to 766,202.357 times the speed of light. So you can just get a rough idea yeah. of just how quick we're talking about. And that's before you even get into any of the huge numbers you're talking about with any of the massive conversation, uh, com uh, um, calculations that we could go into, which we really aren't going to. No, no. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. They also added later on. They also added not for like they added like um, warp factors, not just for warp speeds, but actually going below one as well so 0.5 yeah it got really confusing yeah and it was just like oh not going there yeah but um <clears throat> but one of the things i found was which i thought was quite um it was interesting what you as again i think it's um kind of what you touched upon earlier um so when it's talking about certain warp speeds it's this is where it gets a little bit kind of like what so as an example, it says, warp, I've got a bit here, warp point 84 was stated to be much faster than that which survived. In... Whoops. <laughs> Back of the chair just came off. Never mind, sorry, sorry. Um, was stated to be much that much faster than that which survived in warp 9.9 .9 in the 37s. In TNG Allegiance, warp 7 was stated to be about 55 times faster than warp factor 2. Again, confirming that fluctuations and the relative speeds exist that are not covered by the basic formula. So, lower warp speeds can be higher faster than higher ones depending on certain conditions which I just thought was just just like oh my god you can find that's because they were trying to make it stick that's why that yeah. happens which I why I have mentioned them they are in my notes but I found I've come across the page in the episode flashback Catherine Janeway states that the current Starfleet starships in 2373 were twice as fast as that of the USS Enterprise A and Excelsior were in the 2290s. According to the technical manual from Voyager, the maximum rated speed of the ship was 9.975, 3,053 times the speed of light. According to the Starfleet, a Star Trek's space flight iconography, and Mr. Scott's Guide to Enterprise, great book, the maximum speed of the ships, like the Enterprise A, was warped over an old scale, or 1,000. And seven hundred twenty-eight times the speed of light. So I thought that was quite an interesting thing that you can get a thing, you can kind of you can get a good grasp on where they were, rather mm. than because those sums you were talking about 
just cause havoc. Whereas yeah. stuff like that is fact. You can't mm. really mess around with... Well, actually, I say fact, but it's more concrete than... Yeah. Because that's where it kind of threw me. So you talk about warp speed. It's like, oh, no, actually, a lower sport warp speed can be faster than a higher warp speed. I'm like, what? And wherever we went, you found that they got their knickers in a twist whenever they were talking about travelling to and from Kronos. For whatever reason, oh, it always came yeah. up, didn't it? It's yeah. like, okay. Um, yeah. Mm. Which we could go into. It's just hilarious. It's like, in this case, it took them this many hours, and then this day, it took them four four years, four days, and you're going, okay, um, all right. <laughs> I don't know what to think of this. And then it's again, it's the same with I think um, the Kelvin timeline. That was also I think convoluted as well. Hmm. Um, because again with that, you got the bloody. USS Vengeance, which again causes havoc, because did that go trans or didn't it? Oh, I don't know. Is oh, that, God, is yeah. That yeah. Advanced Cochrane units, is that... Or is that just a modified Cochrane unit? I don't know. Do you know? Uh, no one written it, so we don't actually know. Uh, it's a think, thing. Let's think to stay away from oh. the Kelvin timeline films in terms of trying to understand about what units they used. Um, and then, do we also dare go near... Discovery, because that's an also can oh. of worms. Or is that um, original Cochrane, or is that modified, or is I'll that let, a new no. system, or what? Or I think it's an argument for both. I think really what it comes down to is, is I'd quite like to call it original, if it were me. I think I think it'd make more sense. But why'd you say that? Well, Enterprise used it. True. Yeah. I know this is a new production team, but. Yeah. They did take they well they have taken an awful lot of effort to get their facts straight. True, true. So so yeah. I can't see why they get their speeds wrong, hmm. and it is just a number. It does make sense. Well, you know, thinking of it in terms of that they actually did it in original Cochrane units. Yeah, I I think. Hmm. No, it makes sense to me. It's you know it's such an interesting thing. There's so much you can talk about with it. Um. I find, I do think it's interesting that you know the whole thing about interstellar conditions. I think that is true because I think it's true with planes, cars. Yeah. You know, if the road's icy, you slow down. If yeah. it's if you're pla- if, if you've got turbulence, the plane yeah. rocks around a bit, and mm. you re- generally don't feel well. Yeah, <laughs> you really don't. Mm. Um, so that makes sense, and there's no reason why nebulas and uh, gas giants and things like things that, like would, that yeah. and how many episodes did you get the thing where it's like oh no warping's are out, out of action for A, B and C for this bit of techno babble hmm. like, oh here we go again <laughs> so um, did you want to talk a bit about the warp core like what um well <laughs> Put <laughs> yeah. on the spot there, Joe. You're like, which one? Oh, God, uh, Voyager. <laughs> well, I've heard it. <laughs> I don't know how much. Go on, Jeremy, carry on. <laughs> you obviously know what you're talking about. Yeah. No, I just thought it was an area you you, you seem quite. Um... There's those warp bloody pylons I was on about. Whereas, yeah. the damn. Mm. Where they talk about speed limit. Mm. Well, that quickly got. I love the fact they do say in here. It's like, yeah, that quickly got. That quickly got canned because of story reasons. I love that bit. Where is it? Somewhere in here, it does talk about the speed limits. Hmm. 
where they put it on there and that quickly got forgotten, quickly put shoved under the rug. It's like, yeah, it's a pain in the ass. This is kind of not going to go near that again. Yeah, so it says, Warp Core is the common designation for the main energy reactor powering the propulsion system on warp-capable starships. Again, I thought that was a really good definition. Simplistic, easy to understand. Um, on Federation starships, the warp core usually consists of a matter-antimatter reaction assembly utilising deuterium and antideuterium, reacting in a dilithium crystal matrix which produces a maximum output of 4,000 teratines per second. Well, that's from the Voyager episode Drone. So, in other words, it's kind of the warp core is there to set to set the warp. <laughs> I love the fact in Star Trek Six they pretty much reuse the next gen set. Hmm. So you get the sight of hey, here's a Constitution refit engine room, and you go, yeah, it's exactly the same as a, I don't know galaxy <laughs> galaxy one. Well, what I like <laughs> is, is kind of how they changed it over the centuries. So like it says here. In 22nd century warp cores were designed as oblong cylinders connected by pylon conduits directly into the warp nacelles. So that's from Enterprise. And then the they all do that. And then in the 23rd century, the warp core was not situated, not situated in the main engineering. Well, uh... <laughs> <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. Again, is this one of those? Is this one of those facts they kind of got a bit? Mm. You're not right, but you're not wrong. Hmm. C carry on with that definition, and I'll show you a picture. Uh, the main warp reaction occurred in a dilithium crystal converter assembly, which consists of two flat and rounded nodules situated directly in front of and connected to the warp plasma conduits to the warp engines, which are behind a large metal grate. Yeah, those round things are footballs. Yeah. Okay. So. So what's yeah. this picture you want to show me? So the thing that you're on about is in there. Apparently the warp core's all in that bit. That is an engineering though, yeah. isn't it? Hmm. That's what I mean. Yeah. That's why it's like, great yeah. saying it, Jamie, but... A bit wrong. It, but they had to contain it separately from the oh, crew. So, so it is, it is kind of. true, but it kind of isn't. Yeah. Because hmm. you... It's you know you don't get control in it you don't go fiddling with it. One of the things I also quite like, well I say quite like, but you know one of the things I've always quite caught they added was obviously this idea of rejecting the warp core and it can be used for obviously practical, obviously safety precautions or actually in ta in tactical purposes as well. Actually used it tactically as well. It once and then you're kind of yeah. screwed. Yeah. I, I love the fact that insurrections like yeah don't worry we're not going to mention the fact that we're kind of stranded now. We don't have we don't have any more warp cores. We'll we'll ride off into sunset. Don't worry about it. Don't ask any questions. We'll get back to Federation somehow. Now what have you found? Oh, I was just saying that was um it says here about the uh, Enterprise warp core. Um as in, as evidenced by the second draft script of Enterprise broken ba broken bow, the 22nd century warp core aboard an X-class starship was yeah, I found that interesting. Was originally designed to be vertical and extend through a deck with a top which was higher. A series of levers was at the bottom of the tower, towering engine and pulsing pillars of plasma occasionally rose up through the warp core. Drawing inspiration from the engine of the Constitution-class Enterprise in motion picture, um, and motivated by wanting to clearly show the X-class was a relatively early sh ship, Production designer Herman Zimmerman suggested that the NX class engine be of, of a horizontal configuration, an idea that was quickly approved, obviously by Berman and Bragger. So, changing. Keep going, 
It does explain it all, and it? it does get it quite interesting. Changing the engine's orientation made the warp core look obviously different from its equivalents in later Star Trek chronology, warp cores that had typically been vertically positioned. The broken bow script was changed to reflect the alteration, and in the revised final draft of the script, the warp core was described as extending horizontally across the room. Zimmerman noted, we, talk of a honeycomb, we talked of a honeycomb design with multiple push and pull rods accessible for open all doors. However, the design of the warp core fell into place very quickly. Additionally, because it was to be represented as an engine which required a great deal of maintenance, the warp core was designed to incorporate enough controls and access panels that the crew could busy themselves with working on it. Concerning how the warp core turned out, Zimmerman remarked, It doesn't look like you can't understand it or that it wouldn't break down if all the components weren't working perfectly, so it's a more realistic propulsion system than the fantastic propulsion system. Yeah. Just thinking, yeah, I, I saw that and thought that's quite cool. Mm. Just the whole kind of how again, that was the thing about the, how they not just the walk, but how they just did the whole design of the NX class ship. Or said all pulling all the You've seen the special features where they go inside the walk core, yeah, and it's just a spinning disc with lights on it, yeah, go, that's quite clever, though. <laughs> Is that it? But and, and it's the same with the replicator, you see that, and it's like, yeah, we've got some chap pulling things down a funnel and mm. he comes in the other side of the yeah. replication and you go oh yeah that, yeah, that makes sense mm. but it's just <laughs> the whole design of it just makes it just makes sense and chronology wise it does actually work I mean I know you know not everything well even Discovery even has that same sort mm. of look to it it's a kind of behind mm. a grate yeah like it is on uh, the Constitution class although the Enterprise is um, oh blimey oh the uh, communicators they were it needs to be a lot bigger, but hey, it's small. It's really small in Enterprise. But hey, it's one thing. But yeah, I think so that just, just you know, interesting kind of how things are started out and how that again, it just it just makes a lot of sense and it works really. I mean, I've always quite liked the the, the NX walk core in Enterprise. I've always thought it works works quite nicely. You know, it's again, it kind of fits chronologically compared with the re how it would have progressed from then to kind of I said original and going up, but. It, Again, and, it, and that's the thing, the whole design of it, pulling levers and stuff, we're still familiar with that kind of thing. So you kind of, you've got to do it in such a way where it's futuristic and fits the, with the chronology of the Star Trek franchise, but we can still kind of relate to that kind of, kind of same technology, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so. all, the whole look they were going for, wasn't mm. it? Yeah, and it, they, they said it's a fantastic job. Okay. Uh, anything else on warp cores that you want to talk about? Anything else that kind of caught your eyes? You were not really. Most of it's no. a bit obvious. Mm. Okay. I'm afraid to say. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. Just, I just thought, you know, just a couple of things in there kind of just caught my eye. I just thought it'd be quite interesting to to read out. Um, I thought it was interesting what they said about. Um, have I said this already? What they said about oh, the traveller. No one has gone before. No, you didn't mention that. So one there, it says that they they went walk ten, mm. when in fact they didn't. According to the technical manual, the ship didn't actually achieve warp 10 or go beyond it, but it did travel at extreme speed of about warp 9.999996. This was called the threshold in which Tom Paris becomes the first human to travel warp 10, unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know, I always put a threshold down to so bad it's a good episode, but you know. <laughs> I know most Trek fans go, it's just so bad it's bad, but you know. To each their own. So I thought yeah. that was an interesting tidbit that I didn't realise mm. and then the exastrous science that kind of ex tries to explain oh, oh cause did you ever, did you even look at them did you even look at it or not or? briefly 
briefly, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say that. Oh, they just really had they stuck. had a field day. They had an absolute field day with that one. You carry on, carry on, Jamie. I'll go and find it. Uh, they had a good bit of fun with that. Well worth checking out is warp propulsion. Here we go. This should be good. <laughs> you have to go right to the back. Yeah, because this is part of the research that Simon originally gave me. But I think it was it a, a few days before we recorded. He said, "No, don't really need this if you don't want to print it out because it's, it's you know, a lot of it is pretty much just from what what what's already been read. Is already kind of the information that's already on there. So I decided not to print it out. But it said you'd already printed it for yourself, haven't you? And actually highlighted in notes. And essentially, they've come up with three problems. So you've obviously got." Um, What's it called? What's that episode called? Oh, damn it. Where no one has gone before, that's mentioned. Yeah. You also get time squared, which I kind of don't think counts, but hey. And then you get threshold, that's what I'm on about. Yeah. And threshold, oh, they had a good fun with this. Um, This line made me laugh. There are, there are many problems and errors with the story. <laughs> Most pressing of which is how Tom could possibly attain the speed of what time with it with his shuttle. Um, nothing in the universe can go at warp ten. It's theoretically impossible in principle. If you were to ever to catch um, reach warp ten, you'd be travelling at infinite velocity. That's something um, Harry Kim said. We could argue that, just in Geordie's case, the speed of the shuttle is simply off the scale, and hence may have reached as a warp ten, although. It was actually slower. The dilemma is that the very intention of Tom's warp fight was to break the warp barrier. As Kotinsky from um When I wanna Matt you know when it's gone before. Didn't mean to. Hmm. Um Also the speed was later confirmed to have been infinite, unlike it unlike the next gen episode. This forge episode only makes sense if you were <laughs> if we ignore many statements that essentially made to pass the story. story. Yeah. You should go wham bam. Yeah. That's what I mean. That's why it, for me it's so bad. It's good because it's ridiculous. Like, but they try and they they, they try they take it seriously, and it's just like this doesn't make any sense. But and I didn't make it. I didn't. I wasn't too bothered about Times Square one because that's all in a conversation that's not yeah. actually seen whereas the first two instances are seen and you can whereas that's kind of two people seriously going oh how can that be mm. what if they did this what if they did that mm. which is all a bit high it's not you seeing that you just mm. see the result of oh look there's a shuttle floating in space mm. how does that be mm. rather than going oh look we've looked on the computer's database and it said this thing happened they, they never said that so mm. I don't quite get that. Mm. It's all conjecture. Mm. Whereas the other two do make some bit of sense. Um, because with this, they come up with the explanation for the where no one's gone behind, gone before, is though it doesn't register. Mm. Because oh my god, this gets very complicated, and it's going through different barriers and this sort of thing. Because look. Transitional thresholds. Oh God! <laughs> I'm glad very I technical. I'm glad very I didn't print technical. off those notes in the end. <laughs> as though the computer couldn't register it beyond warp ten, because that's as far as 
as you can go. Yeah. So obviously, if you're going beyond that, then the, you know the, the computer's not, not the computer's not going to be able. So to... it's just going to say warp ten. Yeah. So that's what they came up with that one, and then with possible future scale, it's again even with that they managed to find another few pages from it. Um. The in-universe in expression may be just war, war manner suggested. At some point it would be tiresome for the crews of always fast ships to speak out warp factors in TNG warp scales with always more decimal uh, places. Yeah. I'm not going to say that because it's just yeah. too much effort. If however the scale was only changed to decompress the warp scale range of higher warp speeds for the sake of convenience question arises why is it compressed in the first place if if the move was the limit to walk 15 or something wouldn't just postpone the problem yet again it's actually good for interesting because actually make an ironic joke of data being so exact with yeah we'll arrive in one day two you know it's like don't need that so if, if they always do walk 9.9 we're gonna let's travel at walk 9.4157 whatever you said it's just gonna get tiresome <laughs> It's even possible that warp factors up to warp 10 are still exactly the same as in the TNG scale, denoting, which is um, the modified Cochrane unit, so I want to point that out, denoting conventional operation of the warp drawer, but that is that a completely new and independent all good things scale begin beyond warp 10, denoting a new propulsion system such as trans warp quantum connection drive. Anyway, two scales would be compatible, but we could imagine a transition from one scale to another. Ship naturally wouldn't go up to warp 10 with conventional warp drive, but may accelerate up to the break even point at something like uh, TNG warp 9.5, which is uh, modified Cochrane units warp 9.5, and then activate the new propulsion system. After a short transition phase in which both engines, or both working principles of the same engine, are active, the ship may end up at all good things warp 10, which is perhaps equivalent to TNG. Warp 9.6. Yeah. So you said they're going, what on earth? And the other thing as well, I mean, what's so, briefly from that, when Simon's talking about conventional engines or conventional warp drive, because I, I, it's in the note, I've, it's, it's in the memory alpha notes, and they talk about conventional warp speed, warp drives. It's like, um, we assumed it was referring to Federation starships, but also it briefly mentions that like the Romulans used quantum singularities to power their warp drive. So we thought. When it talks about in terms of conventional, it's like conventional to us, but what that would be conventional for them. So I just wanted to kind of just clarify that because I read down just thought conventional in in what way? Um, yeah, that's the odd thing between the scales. So original Cochrane units and modified ones, there is a dramatic change that you really can't get around. Oh, where's that graph? Because the sums are just astronomical. Is it that? Is it no, that would be it. That's yeah. the one. Oh, pardon me. Where they rejigged the original formula slightly, but they, in some ways, it's like they overrigged it. Okay, Jamie. So on the left side here, so that bit, yeah, is original, and that's all next gen. Okay. So. Those are relative speeds, those are the relative speeds of next gen. Okay. So if you have a quick look and see what the relative speeds have changed from and to, you'll notice there's a big jump between them. Oh god yeah. So for example, 
just as just as an example so say you're going at warp factor 3 relative speed for TOS would be 27 and from TNG 38.94 and then go, okay, go further up further up down, down. yeah um, oh my god and it gets quite apparent yeah once you hit a certain point, it gets kind of okay. Okay, wow. So, say so you're going warp nine point nine, relative speed in the original series nine hundred and seventy point three zero, and in TNG three thousand three thousand and fifty three. Oh my god! So as the warp speed goes up, the, the the relative speed between the two grows further apart. So it all gets very convoluted. Yeah, and. Have a look at the basic sums. You'll notice there's not much of a difference between them. No, isn't it? It's 0. 0.3. 0. 0.3. That's it. So even though there's not much of a difference in the formula, the relative speed between the yeah. two is, is vast. Yeah. Wow. Which makes life really quite interesting. <laughs> mm. It's real worth in investigating this because it's really interesting. It's bloody convoluted, but. Mm. But you see. You just said explain that away. I get it. Just in strict, just in layman's terms. Because there's more sums behind that, but oh, mm. I'm not the person to no. talk about that. I ha and if I can't, I dread to think Jamie trying to explain it because no. I think that would no, uh, I wouldn't even try. Mm. But as I said, guys, all this stuff is on is on Memory Alpha and Extra Astroscience here. So if you want to delve more into kind of the the calculations and the formulas created to to generate these kind of scales and tables, knock all yourself of it is out. Very thorough. It's yeah, very it's very fun. Yeah, very convoluted. And you sit there going, "Okay, well, I know this fact," and then two pages later, you're going, "What?" Mm. I said some of the notes. I think a bit. You know, I think could have been explained better but generally the bulk of it is actually done pretty well you heard it here first guys Jamie's going to start rewriting it because he knows it better no no, no, no. <laughs> I don't but I couldn't <laughs> you know for me I just couldn't get my head around some of some of the some of the ways they were describing things I'm not saying it's bad overall but just for me what yeah. I thought was interesting is the first time we see the warp space curve is actually in an episode of Enterprise is that um oh is that first flight first flight the sawtooth curve of the power oh that was the other thing I found interesting power expenditure versus warp factor um is canon since it appeared on screen in first flight the tips of the sawtooth are the so called speak transition uh, thresholds the points at which the power expenditure rises steeply because oh, there is supposedly physical threshold in one possible interpretation the transition to the next subspace layer to be crossed so you know going from warp factor 1 to 2 to 3 and upwards you know up to well up to warp 10 mm. if you're going via the modified Cochrane units because um, it's a very very interesting scale because it's that scale there I remember that is it further on I think it might be further on somewhere I hope Let's see if I got my memory right. If not, we're gonna have to use that one. I can't remember. So many pages. Is oh it no, it's not that uh, one. No. Okay, is that one? I was worried about that, and I should have got a better picture of it. But you see the line there, the yellow one. Hmm. That is the power expenditure you need to get to that warp speed. So that one there, the, I think it's the oh, blue okay. one. I guess say on the later page what they are. So as the power expenditure increases, so does the warp speed. So the whole reason they have to go up, warp, say, warp one or warp, they do it in 
particular intervals so you don't hear really odd numbers mm. where is it so don't go for stupid so why you don't hear warp 5.99 huh. or 5.6 is because um where is it is because once you go past that warp, uh, warp threshold so if, once you go past warp say two huh. it's easier to carry on going up there until you hit the next threshold so you don't the the power goes down the second you go to that one the power consumption goes right down and then if you want to go up again you have to increase the power going into the warp core to go up to the next one so it's easy to go up warp 3.5 than it is to go up warp 7 point uh, warp point 3.75 but there's an interesting point that once you hit 5.6 the total energy consumption for a trip at warp 6.01 is the same as warp 0.56 but the ship is some 25% faster hence 5.6 is some point of a break break even point of which is, it is advantageous to speed up to even further to the warp 6.01 hmm. so you, you don't you might as well go to 5.6 and just keep going because mm. you'll, Cause you'll eventually get to warp 6 and it won't cost you anything really no and it makes sense so it's all really quite interesting mm. it's just very confusing that here the power consumption is an awful lot lower than it is at 5.99 so so the higher the warp speed the lower the power consumption in some ways, yeah, yeah. I think I think I kind of I think I kind of understand it because you're going up the scale and it mm. still takes an awful lot of energy. But it's not. There's as... a certain point where you go off that spectrum and it's mm. just kind of mm. you pass go and you kind of yeah. on you go. Mm. And uh, like I said before, you know the kind of speed limits from force of nature quickly went out the window. And it's like, well. <laughs> This is gonna slow down the episode. Let's just go warp nine, yeah. and then that's why they come up with a damn warp themselves for Voyager. <laughs> what are they called? Geometry thingy. Yeah, something like that. Called. What are damn things called? Which I still can't stand. I still got annoyed watching them through Year of Hell. <laughs> damn things what are the damn things called uh, that's what I really do want to know now oh, yeah, you do know everyone's at home going they're called that thing guys yeah I'm aware <laughs> <laughs> but you know I just can't think of the damn name oh. so I really want to know this now would it be um, in the Voyager section? Which one? Which one, yeah. God. Lost. Lost. It's a general tree, but I can't remember what. So let's talk about speed limit, but I can't remember where that is. No, I'm not quite sure. Lost. Notes. Those damn things. I've got a lot to answer for. <laughs> I never minded the warp cells going up, but that's just me. 
but no, no. To each their own. Really, somewhere. Ah. You know what's going to happen, didn't you? We'll decide not to do it, and then afterwards, once we finish recording, well, oh, I'll that's I'll keep what it's looking, called. and I'll find it. That's what it's called. Oh dear. Oh, not that one. No. So yeah, guys. I mean, obviously, there's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, yeah, we've we've discussed quite a bit, but obviously, there is, you know, other stuff that we could delve into. But obviously, just due to like I said, just kind of how convoluted it is. I said we would get confused, and we were trying to explain it, and it wouldn't come across accurately. And then you guys would probably get a bit like, what, huh? So you know, obviously, there is more on this stuff. If you go into memory alpha or extra asterisk science here. If you really want to go in depth about said the calculations of how they've factored in on the warp scales and everything else, and again, knock yourselves out. As I said, because I said me and Simon, yeah. So we've we've I've enjoyed it at least. Yeah, I think this has been a great episode. You know, I've really enjoyed it. And I said I actually feel like I've got at least a basic understanding of warp speed, and Simon's still can't. <laughs> it's fine, Si. We're, we're, it's fine. We, we, we. I think we both know what we. I think people at home vaguely know what we're talking about. So, <laughs> don't worry about it. It's fine. Well, another crap thing they came up with. What's that? Voyager, in Fairhaven, creating the inverse warp field, wasn't it? An analogy to dropping the anchor, damn thing. <laughs> I don't know how much you love those Fairhaven episodes. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, yeah, I mean, is there anything else that we want to talk about? Read my blog. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yes, yeah. Simon uh, has actually got, obviously, <laughs> uh, a new blog out. Uh, St- well, this is current. It's to do with yeah. shippy things. Starships Part 2. So if you guys haven't already checked that out, do, because it's actually a really good blog. So I still need to finish it off myself, but I have read some of it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, do check that out, guys, because it's really, really good. So Yeah, it's a yeah. followation from my other one. Yeah. Because yeah. there's more ships out there than you know of. Yeah, I even deal with the Franklin. Yes. So uh, in an interesting way. Hmm. I forward to getting to that part of it. So uh, yeah, I think was that... it Cairo, Tiananmen. There's about six on there. Hmm. And there's a Harold Heap. I oh um check off. Yeah. I wrote the damn thing and I can't remember. Yeah. It's done right side. It's it's Cochrane. <laughs> Oh no no no! Cockrum's the other one. Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix. Phoenix. Well, to be fair, so we have just done an episode about warp speed with a lot of techno babble and mathematical calculations. So, Cairo and Franklin. I think there you most of them. I think it's all of them. Get you remembered, but I don't blame you if you. I wouldn't have blamed you if you hadn't, considering the episode we just did, so mathematical calculations and techno and techno babble. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think that ends our our warp speed episode. I yeah, think we're we... doing an interview next week. Yes. Next time, which yep. is good. Yep. A new guest again. Mm-hmm. Do you want to say who? Or would you I rather... already know. Yeah. Yeah. So that should be a good that should be a good fun episode. Now our first time guest, which is nice. Um so yeah guys, um we hope you enjoyed Whatever walk, that was. Our walk speed episode. <laughs> I said, I've actually feel like I've got at least a basic grasp of understanding of it. Um, more than I definitely did five years ago. <laughs> if there's anything you've learnt today, it's that starships are like planes. Yes. And planes are like starships. Yeah. But don't go on there going, why aren't we there yet? Mm. Because it, they don't. Yeah. One's fictional, one's non-fiction. Mm. 
Yeah. So as ever, I've been Simon. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I've been Jamie. I've been Simon. <laughs> we hope you enjoyed listening, guys. And we'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.